powered by Clear Vision Development Group. This is Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast. Each week, we'll provide you with top business insights, fresh perspectives from world-class guests, and the tools you need to lead better than before. And now, here's your host, author and business coach, Tony Richards. Hello, everyone. This is Tony Richards coming to you from the Richards Ranch. We're all under a stay-at-home order right now here in our town of Columbia, Missouri, but better than before, March is on. And today, I'm going to talk to you about uh, if you're staying home in compliance with the things that we've been asked to do to slow the spread of this coronavirus. Um, I know the president's uh, put out a plan, 15 days to flatten the curve, and we're a few days into this. And I think everyone complying with it will make all of this shorter for all of us, and, and it'll make a more healthy environment for us, too. So we are all just continuing on with the show, and I've got some tips on self-care for you while you're spending this time working remotely or if that's not what you normally do or you're in your home under a stay-at-home order or you're just trying to do what you can to help slow the spread of the virus, there's some things you can do for yourself that can help you be better than before. We're going to talk about that. And my guest today is Jennifer Cunningham, and she is a certified coach with a specialty of helping people regain confidence after they've had some kind of reputation crisis. It's a bad byproduct of what we're going through today, but I'm sure there are going to be some decisions made uh, in business that are going to be hurtful to some people's reputation. You know, you don't think uh, as clearly when you're under pressure or under stress or in a crisis, uh, or perhaps it's just something that has happened to you in the past that you need resolution on. I think you're going to enjoy Jennifer. And she's going to be coming up in just a minute right here on Better Than Before, which is brought to you by University Subaru. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. Friends, in these unprecedented times, your University Subaru family hopes that you and yours are secure and safe. We're open and working within the parameters of the stay-at-home order. Service and parts are open as usual, and the sales department is open via email and internet. We can discuss features, options, and pricing, and even come to agreements over the phone or internet. Visit our website, click internet pricing, or give us a call. And right now, get 0% APR financing for 63 months on most 2020 new Subaru vehicles. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. See dealer for details. Are you working twice as hard but enjoying fewer rewards? Maybe you're highly accomplished, but you just can't seem to break through and make the next big move. Or you run a business that has begun to grow stagnant. It doesn't have to stay that way. Even the best leaders have felt as if their careers were spiraling out of control. But that's when they had to lead and lead big. Tony Richards' new book, The Big Idea, 52 Ways to Be a Better Leader Now, will help launch you forward in leadership. Learn how to take charge and lead yourself, lead others, and lead your company. Purchase online today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our website, clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to the Better Than Before podcast. This is Tony Richards, and Jennifer Cunningham is my special guest today. She has over 25 years experience serving others. She's worked in higher education, nonprofit, and local government. Her roles have included advisor, career counselor, conflict resolution coach, community service, and most recently, what she's doing these days, which is extremely fascinating, is reputation repair coach. Jennifer is a lifelong learner, just like many of the audience of this podcast. She's earned a master's degree in negotiation and conflict management and a second master's degree in counseling. And recently, she's become a coach, a certified coach, and specializes in helping people regain confidence, reputation after they've experienced some kind of crisis. And her personal goal is to always help her clients tap into their own competencies 
and become whole again, or as we would say around here, even better than before. Jennifer, thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me, Tony. This is, um, this is a great opportunity, and I appreciate you um, inviting me for the podcast. Oh, absolutely. I'm so glad we were able to connect, and you're in such a fascinating uh, field that I thought you were just perfect for the uh, people who listen to this show. I'm going to start out just asking you how, I know you're in California, how has the coronavirus situation affected you? So I've been uh, at, at working at home for, this is week two, um, half of last week, and then this whole entire week has been working from home. Um, you know, we don't see it. I think um, I think there was a bit of a panic the first week in terms of people shopping and um, things flying off the shelves. And um, but, uh, you know, I I work at a university and, you know, they've shut down all operations and sent the students home, which is, you know, really unfortunate for the students, especially those that were going to graduate in May. Um, But I think everybody's doing what they what they can and what they've been told to do. it's it's challenging to to self isolate, um, but I'm getting out and doing lots of walks with the dog and um, trying to you know kind of not stay in uh, unless I need to. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think uh, also for the people who are at home, which that's a lot of people right now, they uh, see other people out walking around in the neighborhood. That gives them some hope and. Uh, I'm so glad we're able to keep this program going. I'm normally I'm in a studio at our offices, but you know, I'm doing this from home and our producer William Foster is producing the show from his home and you're at your home. So thank God for wonderful technology, right? Absolutely. Hey, tell me a little bit about why you decided to get into reputation repair and uh, how'd that all come about? Yeah, so it's kind of a, it was kind of by accident. As I mentioned, you know, I work at a university, and um, at the time, a couple of years ago, a lot of the students were coming to me complaining about cyberbullying and harassment online by, you know, their classmates or, or different people. Most of the stuff happening on on Facebook and different social media, and I put together a workshop. Um, for, for both sides of the coin. So um, for the students who maybe recognized that they were doing a bit of the bullying for them to, um, you know, some tips for them to be able to apologize uh, and, you know, change their behavior. And then for the students who are actually targets, uh, ways for them to cope with what they were experiencing. And, um, you know, I didn't have a great turnout for that uh, workshop, but, um, you know, a few students did attend and they, you know, they found it to be pretty helpful. But um, interestingly, then I think it was the very next semester, I really got to experience this firsthand on on a personal level. So in my role uh, at, at uh, the university, what I do is I, I work around student conduct issues. And often the decisions that I have to make, um, there's usually one person or one side of the the situation that is never going to be happy with the decision that I make. And um, as a particular case, and um, what happened was a small group of students, um, and I believe a couple of the faculty, um, really, they basically spread a petition around the campus, um, underneath doors, posted in elevators, you know, posted all over the campus, um, quoting me as having said some very horrible things and things that I would never say. Um, and, uh, and really, you know, attacked me in a very public way. The university that I was working at is uh, very small. So at a large university, this may have just kind of faded into the background, but everyone knows me and all the students knew me and, you know, many of my, um, my faculty and staff friends, you know, it, it was very public what happened. And I was having to really put in to action the things that I was teaching in the workshop for my own um, for my own coping, so it was really an interesting experience for me to have um, learned about this and then actually be in the middle of it um, myself. So 
um, my healing around this took took a long time because it's um, one of those things where if you don't have anything to any evidence to argue against, um, you're kind of uh, fighting this battle that like if you've if you've run over your neighbor's dog, you can go to their house and say, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. I ran over your dog. What can I do? But if there's no crime, it's very hard to dis defend yourself against something that didn't happen. And it was equally um, difficult for me because in order to defend myself, I would have had to talk about what happened in the case that I was making the decision on. And I couldn't do that because all of that information is confidential. So I was really in a, a you know, a pickle um, because I couldn't speak out. Um, I did get, you know, some support from the administrators of the university, um, but it was it was a very challenging time for me, and um, I was taking a lot of that home at the end of the day. And while my family and my husband, in particular, were, you know, listened to me beyond <laughs> what was probably healthy for them, um, I know that they started to tire of of listening to my experience, and um, I just slowly you know, started kind of repairing and, and healing. And one of those things was that I, I did get myself a coach who helped me through the process. And through that experience, that's kind of how I decided, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to do this and I'm going to help people that have been in similar situations. You know, you mentioned family and um, your husband as, you know, trying to be a support system for you. And I'm I'm not suggesting they that they would do this, but are there situations where people have had a traumatic experience, or um, at least they feel that they have, and then they surround themselves with people who, uh, even though they have the best intentions, they actually make the situation worse rather than going to somebody who's professional. I think that that's definitely the case, you know, because um, all of our or most of our friends and family, they, they want to help, but and it's very painful for them to see someone that they love going through an experience like this. And, you know, I think our tendency sometimes if we're not maybe trained in this area is um, to, to really kind of want want the situation to get resolved so that the person can co go back to being themselves and um, I think what a lot of people don't understand it is it's a process and it takes time and sometimes it, it takes less time for other people and more time for you know someone else but um, you know I think uh, family and friends can be well-meaning but um, they just maybe want to push the, the process along too quickly for you know for their family member or you get caught in that drama triangle where you have, you know, victims, persecutors, and uh, rescuers. And a lot of times people don't really intend to be the persecutor, but, you know, they say things that trigger behavior or they are rescuers and they're actually nurturing and making the thing last longer. Um, so I was just curious about that. Tell me about. Yeah, some... absolutely. No, that, that's very true. Tell me about some situations that you've seen where um, people find themselves in that can, you know, create these traumatic responses or get themselves in these kinds of situations. So, you know, one of the kind of um, one that is probably happening a, happening a lot right now and through the coronavirus is people being fired or laid off. Um, even though, you know, we can rationalize in our head that, well, you know, this is because of a slowdown in the economy. It's still being fired or being laid off from a job is, is sometimes a, a very traumatic experience. So that is one that comes to mind. Um, also, you know, being a falsely accused of something. Um, I'm finding a lot of people uh, who experience workplace bullying have a traumatic experience because there's a whole um, there's a whole structure of how bullying if you're if you're not working for an organization that cares and addresses bullying and addresses the bullying behavior it's often the the person that's the target of the bullying who 
has to uh, experience not only being bullied by a coworker or a boss, but also um, really they want that person to go away, that they want that person to quit their job. And um, sometimes those situations can become very intolerable for people because they have no, they have no recourse. Um, also, you know, uh, people that have been slandered online, now that's a, that's a huge one. And there's firms out there that, that work with people, you know, uh, who have businesses that have maybe been um, maligned online. And there's organizations that work on the uh, internet side of things to help those comments and negative press get buried. Now, that's not something that I do, but even people that might go to those firms to, to get the help on, you know, on burying the information, they still may be going through their own personal and psychological trauma. Um, so, you know, there's lots of that happening, um, online defamation and, um, you know, really anything where there's elements of shame, humiliation, uh, guilt, anything that, that can cause those responses. And it, it's often really like um, what, we go through uh, when we lose someone we love. It's it's pretty much the same um, steps that someone that is grieving a loss goes through. You know, you have the, the the feelings of maybe shame, humiliation, embarrassment, and then it can go to anger and denial, um, and um, and then finally, you know, if you're healing properly, that you you recover and and move on to you know happier things in your life. I mean, I know in my time as a coach, I've seen uh, executive clients of mine who have been fired or lost their job. And um, of course, you know, there's the old saying, two sides to every story. And the company, you know, has a story about why that person was let go. And they have a story about, you know, the situation. And I know that when they've gone on to try to uh, continue their career and talking to them and trying to prep them for interviews. There's, there's still some remnants of that, that go with them into that interview. And then there is a perception of the people who are doing the interviewing, like, why did this person really get fired? Like they're just, absolutely. you know, there's caution on both sides, which can totally ruin the interview. Absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's, again, it's, if you try to defend yourself, um, so I think the, the wording, particularly in it, in an interview situation, how you speak about um, your situation is, needs to be very precise because if, once you sound like you're kind of defending yourself against something that brings on a whole different energy to, um, to the meeting. So I think people need to be real uh, you know, look at that and, and prepare and how are they going to answer these questions? And I think the preparation is key and, and not to own um, the feelings that are not yours to own, you know, and that can be the tricky part. Yeah. The more you try to defend yourself, no matter how right you are, the more guilty you look. And um, it just makes you feel like, um, you know, you, you want to find more evidence and more and do it more. And it seems like it, the more you do it, the worse it makes. What, what, um, so, so take me inside a person who's gone through this kind of stuff. What are they thinking and what are they feeling? Yeah. So, um, you know, their, their first feeling that they're, um, you know, that they've been, you know, it could be right or wrong. So the difference between shame and humiliation, for instance, is shame are usually the feelings that we have if we have done something wrong and we feel, um, you know, we feel shameful about our behavior. Humiliation is a little bit different because that's something that is typically undeserved. Um, we're being, you know, we have uh, something happen that, that really wasn't our fault and we're defending against that. But um, often, you know, people, um, again, kind of have to ask themselves, why did this happen? So that's maybe the first stage. And then, you know, they, if they're reflective enough, they could ask themselves, you know, what did I do in this situation that may have caused this? And that's a really 
great place to become aware of um, because there may be something that even if it was a, you know, an innocent mistake that, okay, maybe, you know, maybe I could have handled that a little bit different. But then I think a lot of people go into um, revenge mode or they go into revenge fantasy mode. So I know that was the case with me is where I started thinking about all these ways that I could um, maybe lash out and, and I don't mean, you know, physically hurting anybody, but, you know, could I write, write a letter and, and say something or, or should I hire an attorney and, uh, you know, really look into to suing. Um, and there's all these ways that we can think of to relieve our, our pain, what we're experiencing. And really the, you know, what I found to be the most helpful and after talking to other people who have experienced the same thing is first to recognize that you're not alone in this. People all over the world have had these same similar responses. And, you know, I think of um, just to kind of go off a little bit on a story that when I was researching this, I, I found and found fascinating. Uh, you can, you can re, uh, listen to the Ted talk. This woman, her name is Catherine Bosley and she, um, posted a TED talk. It was called My Naked Nightmare. And she tells the story. She was a, um, she was a journalist in Ohio, I believe it was. And she had just received the news that she had um, been, her cancer was in remission and she was healthy again. And um, that was just on the back of some other medical issue that she had where she recovered from that. So she had recovered from two medical uh, procedures and um, she and her husband decided to go down to Florida and celebrate. And they were just kind of being happy-go-lucky and they walked into a restaurant and and at that time, the restaurant was um, having a, a wet t-shirt contest. And I don't know if you know what that is, but that's where women get up and they throw water on their chest and, you know, people get to, I don't know, vote on who looks the best or whatever. I don't know. And and um, she kind of just had this moment where she was like, you know what, I'm going to celebrate being alive and she didn't even know what it was but her husband told her what it was and she she agreed okay yeah I'll do this what what the heck I'm down here in Florida nobody's gonna see me this is fun this is a way for me to recapture my you know my womanhood or whatever whatever her decision making was and she did this thing and you know she had fun and they got some laughs out of it and then about a year later on on Christmas Eve with her house full of family and guests, she gets this message on her answering machine from someone that she doesn't know who says, your life is over. You are a stupid slut. You'll never recover from this. You blew it. You know, just saying these awful things to her. And she, um, she overnight lost her job and somehow the, the incident had been videotaped and it got into the wrong hands and it got plastered all over the news. And um, she talks about how she recovered from that, but almost, you know, took her own life from that experience because it was just so humiliating and shameful. Um, but in the end, she sued and got the rights to that video. And now she is um, an activist around this issue, goes into schools and, and really tries to educate um, high schoolers that you got to watch very carefully what you put online and what you allow to yourself to be, you know, filmed doing. So I, I think about that story and my heart just goes out to her. And, and through this experience, I've, I have listened to so many people have these horrendous stories, 10 times, hundred times worse than I went through and how they, you know, how they get through it. Very challenging. I, I kind of, I kind of, I think I, um, maybe didn't answer your original question, but I think that story is so illustrative of, of some things that people go through. Oh, absolutely. It's a great story and I appreciate you sharing it. So Jennifer, so coping mechanisms, what are some coping mechanisms people can use when they're in this uh, traumatic situation? So I think the, the short answer to that is anything and everything. Um, but the more specific examples are to, yes, talk about it first. I think that, um, you know, it's really important for people to talk it out with 
people that they trust who may or may not have the right response to them. But I think just being able to, you know, work it out with a friend, a family member, or, or you know, somebody that's not attached to um, the situation, write about it. You know, journaling is always a very helpful thing. Um, and maybe that's writing your, you know, your revenge letter or writing, um, you know, an apology letter, if that's appropriate. Not something that you're going to put in the mail, but just to get your feelings out on paper and kind of um, express. That's, I like that word because it's really expressing, you know, if you think of like a, a coffee maker and you um, put, put down the, you know, the plunger on the coffee, you're expressing that coffee. And I, I really like that in terms of getting it out of your system. Um, so writing about it and, you know, then, of course, there's, there's, you know, counselors and coaches that can help people through this. And there's one form of therapy that I write about on my blog called EMDR. And um, if I can remember what the, the uh, acronym is, Eye Movement Rapid Desensitization is um, the type of therapy. And more and more therapists are getting trained in this. And it's a form of therapy that was originally used by uh, in uh, PTSD for you know um, people that had come back from war situations, and it's very effective and it's very quick. And um, I did this myself, and the therapist kind of walked me through. I don't want to get too much into it, but they walked me through this kind of sequence, and um, I, you come out not forgetting what happened to you, but kind of not caring quite as much, not having the emotional attachment to it. So I would definitely recommend anyone who's experienced this look into EMDR therapy. And of course, there's talk therapy as well, um, which may be appropriate. You know, um, often when people go to therapy, it's it's more about talking about what got them to that point um, and I think that um, that is appropriate for some of these um, situations uh, and then there's there's coaching and you know I don't know that there's um, a whole lot of people that are doing coaching around specifically what I'm doing but there's obviously coaches around you know to help people with you know re regaining their confidence or um, you know developing courage that they need to get through painful situations um, so uh, I think that is good. And then just, you know, basic self-care, right? Um, meditation, prayer, whatever that is for you, yoga, exercise, um, you know, all of those healthy things that we all hear about doing um, on a regular basis. And, um, you know, just any anything you can to to get your mind in a different place, a healthier place. The things you don't want to do are, <laughs> you know, some of the things that I did. Uh, I, I was drinking a little bit too much, um, and that was affecting my sleep, and then that was affecting my relationships. So I, I know that those behaviors were not healthy, and those needed to stop right away. So any of those healthy things you can do in addition to writing, speaking, and, and getting professional help. And if you're trying to be supportive as a friend, uh, or at least you have the best intentions, especially when somebody's in a, a bad uh, overuse of a habit. If you try to be their buddy, you'll uh, make it worse. And if you're trying to then say, hey, I think this is going a little extreme, you can make it worse. So, you know, having, having a coach, a therapist, a psychologist, um, I've advocated for that for years for coaches. Um, I think you need to have somebody that you also go to so that you could be at your best when you're trying to help others. Um, any specific different, yeah, any specific differences that you would suggest? Uh, I love all the coping mechanisms that you, you named, but does the, is there a, is there a difference between trying to cope with situations and then get on the path to healing? Well, I would say that coping is um, the first step in healing. So if we, you know, find ways, uh, you know, to, to cope at the, the basic level, 
that can put you in a better position than to move on to the healing stage. It's just how long that stage is, I think is really individual. And it, it has to do with, you know, how, what our, um, what our strategies and what we've been trained and what we've learned as we've grown. Um, some people have learned coping mechanisms throughout their life and they, you know, they can go right to that place very quickly, but others maybe have never, you know, been in a situation where they've had to, you know, rely and pull from um, these types of coping mechanisms. So I just think it's an individual thing that um, if you try to move to the next stage too quickly, before you're ready for it. it, you know, it's almost like you kind of have to just like, like with any other decision that you make in your life, whether it's to kind of lose weight or stop smoking or, or whatever, you got to get to that point where it's like, okay, the fear that, you know, the, whatever I'm getting out of this situation, because sometimes there is something, you know, emotional that the person is getting from retelling their story, whatever I'm getting from that, is done is over i need to get back on track and and move my life forward some people never do that some people stay stay there but um i think for anybody that might be going into coaching or 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 someone that is going to see a therapist you know part of them at least recognizes okay i need help it's time for me to to move on to this this next phase so I'm not sure that that's um, the answer that makes the most sense but I think it's the you know it's the answer that is probably the healthiest yeah well I think and it's just my opinion but I think anytime you can make a decision that is more permanent I, I usually call it like a quality decision a decision you're not going to give up on too easily and you've made a decision for the long term I think that's, you know, I think that's a, a better way to go than, you know, slipping back into your old habits or slipping back into your old behaviors. You make that decision that, hey, this is for the rest of my life and this is the best thing for me. So I'm going to, and another thing I found too, Jennifer, I want to see if you agree with this is courage is generated from commitment. So the stronger your commitment is, the more courage you can pull from that commitment and the weaker your commitment is the harder it's going to be to summon the courage to do the things you have to do. So that decision, yeah, I would, yeah, that, yeah. That decision that you make, if it's a firm quality one for the long term, um, I know a lot of people are facing that right now with the situation we're in on the stock market. You know, did you, did you make that decision for the long term and you're going to ride it out or, are you not firm in your commitment and you're going to like say, pull your money at the worst possible time? Uh, th those are the kinds of things that, that I've found that if you're really serious about getting back on the road to be the best you possible, you're going to be able to generate a lot of courage off a commitment like that. That's so interesting that you use that word courage. I was just listening to um, something, uh, another podcast that was talking about, you know, we all talk about building confidence and really confidence comes from being courageous and taking courageous actions, facing your fear and realizing, hey, I can do this. I can move through this. And that's where confidence is, is developed. It's not just, oh, okay, I'm confident. You wake up, I'm going to be confident today. No, you become confident in taking courageous steps um, that move you forward. And that's kind of, you know, I think um, there's this, this concept called post-traumatic growth. So, and they're finding, there's a lot of research out there that's finding that people that have gone through traumatic experiences um, can often, very often, see these um, incidents of post-traumatic growth, like the woman that I told you about, Catherine Bosley. She turned that situation around, and now she, you know, is an activist. My own situation, I, I said, you know what, this is not going to define me. Um, I'm going to do something. I'm going to take this situation and do something uh, for the greater good and to, you know, help people. But there's stories like that all over where people have had these experiences and they just say to themselves, no, 
this is not where I'm going to live anymore. I'm going to do something um, beneficial with this. And often that is part of the healing is they can, you know, you get up and you say, okay, I'm going to move forward in this way. And people do, and their lives become richer and, um, you know, they, they go off to do really great things. It's, it's interesting when a situation happens, how we can first label it as the most horrible thing that's ever happened to us. But if we really, you know, examine it, um, sometimes it's the best thing that's ever happened to us. Can be. I got one more question for you. Um, it just came to me. Do you have any suggestions? And I, you know, I sort of asked the question in a negative way as far as friends, family, acquaintances, trying to be supportive with negative effects. What is the best thing you can do if you're connected with somebody who's had a lot of reputational trauma or whatever? I think the best thing, which is sometimes the most challenging for people, um, is just to listen <laughs> and, um, you know, those empathetic responses that often you would get, you know, in a therapy session, just, you know, I'm so sorry. You must be, you know, um, so upset by this. Just kind of listening to those, um, um, re-emphasizing, you know, the, um, the empathy part. Um, and then, you know, if your inclination is to try to give advice, perhaps asking the person, you know, hey, would you mind if I gave you some advice or would you like my opinion in this situation? Um, and sometimes the person's going to say yes or sometimes they might say, you know, no, I just need to, you know, wallow in this for a while. But um, I think really to be empathetic and it is really a fine line, Tony, I think that you, you're, you're on to something there that if you're close to the situation, um, you take a risk in saying the wrong thing or um, trying to move that person on to a different place um, because they might resent that. You know, um, I think too you have to take into consideration how strong and what the relationship is beforehand. Um, you know, something you might say to a new acquaintance or somebody that you've known through work might be something different than you'd say to your own family member. Or um, so I think you kind of need to assess the, you know, the strength of the relationship, and then you can decide how much do I want to risk and how much does this person need to hear. Um, but I think the first thing is just to listen empathetically. And then at some point, you know, maybe, you know, maybe have a, that kind of relationship with somebody where you can, you know, joke about things and just say, okay, you know, time to move on. Let, you know, okay, what are we going to do about this? You know, and be that strong, um, be that strong voice for, for people, you know, wallowing in it. I mean, someone that's going to a coach that just signals to me, they want to move on. You know, um, not everybody's going to be that place, but somebody comes to a coaching session, they're wanting to, they're wanting that, I think, kind of tough love, like, okay, heard it, you know, let's move on. Let's get you, let's talk about some steps for you to get beyond this. I know as a coach, you know, I'm, I'm very top of mind and very cognizant that everything I say to that person is going to affect them in some way. And I'm always, I always have it in mind. Like I am, I'm not going to destroy anything here. Cause you, you do, you do touch on some areas where you could permanently destroy some things in somebody's life. They could be taking as advice from you or mm -hmm. a certain direction from you. Questions are always number one, you know, uh, mm -hmm. asking questions rather than giving direction or agreeing with direction or suggesting direction. Um, Absolutely. you know, or, or they're always good. Man, Jennifer, this has been fascinating, and I could go on and on. Um, we're going to talk about how people can find out more about you in just a second. I've got a list of closing questions I ask everybody who comes on the show, so I'm going to shoot these to you, and uh, you can give me your answers, okay? Okie dokie. Best memory that comes to mind for you? So we used to do like little neighborhood shows when I was a 
when I was a girl, we had a real close neighborhood and um, me and my friends would have these backyard um, productions and invite all the neighbors. And those were real, real fun, real happy memories there. What's the, uh, who is the number one hero in your life? Um, you know, I really, um, I really like Oprah. Um, but I liked whenever that question is asked, I like to kind of say someone that's a little bit more personal to me. And, you know, in some ways it, it's my husband. It kind of makes me cheer up just saying that because, um, he's just a, he's a great guy. And, uh, what's his name? David. All right. What's the top value you subscribe to? Integrity. Um, you know, I, I feel like everything else that um, happens in somebody's life is, uh, you know, can be based on integrity. It's uh, If it's there, you're going to get good stuff. And if it's not, then it's not worth it. Who's the most important person in your life? I think I've already answered that one, right? Yep. <laughs> but, I figured yeah, the answer would husband. be David. Yeah. Um, second, second to that would be Jake and, uh, Jake is my dog. <laughs> What's your favorite thing? Favorite thing. Ooh, that's such a, uh, wide question. I like to be outside. I like to do, um, I like to be out in the sunshine and in the outdoors. So anything having to do with that, being at the beach, camping, hiking, walking, anything outside. What's your favorite food? That would be any kind of pasta. Mm. Pasta with what? Just name the sauce, and I'll eat it. Yes, I've tried. I've done a really good job of cutting back, um, but it's hard to resist. What's the most beautiful place you've been to? Mm, I think uh, Grand Teton National Park. I went there last summer, and that place was just breathtaking. If you could describe success in one word, what would that word be? Value. Um, providing value for for people and um, providing a valuable service. How do you want Jennifer Cunningham to be remembered? Um, as a uh, you know good humored, um, compassionate person who wants to um, do good in the world and and um, that my days were useful. If you could go back and talk to a young Jennifer, what would be your best advice? You know, just have more um, more confidence. You're you're a smart person, and you know you could really you know don't let the doubts get in your head. Find a way to get those those um, bad thoughts out of your head quicker. What's your favorite sound? You know, I really like the. It's actually a word. I like the word astonishing. Um, so I like how that kind of rolls off the tongue. And best lesson you've learned? That your, um, your thoughts control your feelings um, and that you, have, you can have control of your thoughts. And when you think um, good thoughts, good things happen. And when you um, think ne negative thoughts, um, not that negative things happen, but the good things don't happen when there's negative um, thoughts in there. We've been visiting with Jennifer Cunningham. She specializes in helping people regain confidence reputation after some kind of reputation crisis. And this has just been great, Jennifer. Um, would you tell everybody like how to contact you if they're interested in learning more or visit your website? Sure. Um, so I, I just want to uh, leave one last quote that I um, that I came across that I thought was really apropos to this and we shouldn't be defined by the worst thing we've ever done or the worst thing that's ever happened to us so I really like that that quote that um, um, lays it off on both sides but if someone would like coaching or just want to take a look at the information on my website it's reputationrepaircoach.com and if you do a uh, you know, every, every person who's interested in working with me is entitled to a free discovery session. And then after that, if you decide to sign up for a program, um, mention this podcast and we'll do a discount. Wow. That's absolutely fabulous. Thanks for doing that. And thanks for your time today. It's just fascinating. You've been extremely helpful and 
in this. And I appreciate you making time to visit with me. I, I definitely appreciate the invitation and I, I was happy to do it. And it's been real fun. Thank you very much, Tony. Well, just know I'm rooting for you because I know you're going to help a lot of people. Okay. <laughs> thank you. You too. You guys stay safe out there. All right. I uh, want to thank Jennifer Cunningham for being on our show today. I'm going to have your leadership and business lesson coming up during these times in just a minute here on Better Than Before. Friends, in these unprecedented times, your University Subaru family hopes that you and yours are secure and safe. We're open and working within the parameters of the stay-at-home order. Service and parts are open as usual, and the sales department is open via email and internet. We can discuss features, options, and pricing, and even come to agreements over the phone or internet. Visit our website, click internet pricing, or give us a call. And right now, get 0% APR financing for 63 months on most 2020 new Subaru vehicles. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. See dealer for details. Receive weekly coaching tips from Tony Richards, delivered straight to your inbox. Whether you're a CEO or an entrepreneur, Tony can help you reach your goals and give you a competitive edge within your industry. Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo covers topics ranging from leadership development to teamwork to company culture and more. Text the word leadership to 38470 to sign up for Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo or sign up online at clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before. A lot of great information from Jennifer Cunningham. I know you enjoyed all of her expertise that she shared with us today. I'm going to take a minute to uh, talk a little bit about self-care during your time in isolation, quarantine, whatever you want to call it. We're all working from home a lot more than perhaps we were before as we try to flatten the curve on this virus. So I've got some tips and some thoughts for you that could really help you out while this is happening. And the first one that I'll talk about is you need to cut yourself some slack because, you know, it's easy to be frustrated with yourself when stress is present or you kind of feel like you're being dictated to, or you kind of feel like, you know, you're under an authority that you don't like that's asking you to, to do these things. It's a good time to learn more about yourself and how do you respond to rules? How do you respond to constraints? How do you respond to authority? And learning about yourself is never a bad thing, but also don't try to uh, try not to beat yourself up very much over this whole thing. Try, try not to sit there and play mind games with yourself about how you can, you know, get around it or what you could have done differently or whatever. You know, part of your self-care that's really, really important is making sure you take care of your self-esteem. So even when things are going the way they are, maybe you're beating yourself up because you didn't plan for an emergency like this, or you didn't really have a crisis plan either for your business or for even your personal life or your family. Don't beat yourself up too much, right? Just learn a lesson and move on without the condemnation, you know, do yourself, uh, do yourself the way you would do unto others, you know, extend to yourself the same kind of love, the same kind of tolerance, the same kind of forgiveness that you would extend to other people. One of the key aspects of self-esteem is that you provide yourself with the affection you deserve, even if you're going through a time where maybe you don't like yourself very much, or maybe you're just frustrated with the situation and you're putting it on yourself. So if we don't like ourselves, who else is going to like us? You know, everything comes from the inside out and your inner world reflects your outer world. So you got to work on your inner world uh, during this time and say to yourself, you know, I'm a good person. I do good work. I do my best. You know, I give my best effort. I prepared well. I, I like what I did today. I enjoyed myself. Those are the kinds of things you need to be saying to you. The first principle of higher self-esteem is to love yourself as you would be willing to love other people, to feel in an emotional way that you're a positive contributor and you regard yourself just like you regard those around you and know that 
while you're doing these stay at home activities, you are loving other people with that action because you're reducing the spread of the virus. You're protecting other people in case you have it and you don't know it. Um, you know, compliment yourself, encourage yourself. Many people repeat a personal mantra and we'll get to that in just a second. Surround yourself with some kind of support system, right? Another great way to practice self-care is make a concerted effort to spend time with people who add positively to your life. Um, if you have a stressful week uh, coming up, maybe you want to spend some time with a friend that can make you laugh um, or you want to get a close family member on the line, just like a quick reminder of the support you have. You can use Facebook, you can use FaceTime, you can use Zoom, you can use Skype. There are all kinds of great online platforms you can use to stay connected with people and to hear positive voices. I know the other day, 30 guys got online and did a Bible study. Um, I've been telling my cousin in Kentucky now for several months that she needs to be doing Bible studies online. And uh, now she is. And she had several people uh, online for Bible study on Sunday morning, uh, this coming week, she's do, done them on Sunday morning, Sunday night. I think, you know, as she does that, she get more confident and do that because people need encouragement. People need hope and you need connection. Meditation and prayer. Meditation helps a lot of people stay centered and calm when things are going on around them, when it's stressful around them, when there's fear around them, when there's uncertainty around them. And if you're kind of new at that kind of thing, you might want to try a guided meditation. We had Phyllis Nunn on the show. You can go back in the Better Than Before archives and find that program where we had Phyllis Nunn on, and she took us through a guided meditation that was just phenomenal. Uh, you can also get apps that download on your phone and on your uh, computer that can guide you through meditation processes until you get them down and you know how to do them yourself. It's a great step toward positive mental self-care. All these things that I've talked about, maybe you've not done them in the past because you've excused yourself because you have a lack of time. Well, now you got a lot of time, right? There are a lot of books you can get very inexpensively from Amazon or online that can guide and lead you in a prayer routine. So if you're unaccustomed to praying, you don't know exactly how to do it or whatever. It's just a conversation with God. And you can get books that have prayers lined out, devotionals that have prayers that go with them that you can do until you feel confident to step out on your own and lead yourself in prayer. Uh, now's a good time to focus on healthy food. You know, proper nutrition is another pillar of taking care of yourself that sometimes can be quickly forgotten when parts of life become overwhelming or right now when you're in isolation. I know a lot of people are helping local restaurants and I'm all for that. Uh, they're ordering takeout or they're ordering with delivery. Just put balance on it, right? Make sure to remind yourself that eating healthy is part of taking care of yourself. And if you're feeling overwhelmed, try taking some time uh, to do some meal prep, cooking together. If you're with someone that you uh, love, like a husband, a wife, family members, or whatever, cooking can be a great family activity. Um, so, you know, it'll help you de-stress, give you some options um, to try some different things or to spruce up your uh, meal plan or whatever, but eat healthy. You got to prioritize sleep. And I'm not talking about, man, if I just go to sleep, this will make the time pass faster and I can get back to normal. Uh, we're probably all staying up later than we normally do. We may be getting up later in the day than we normally do. But the more you get out of your routine, and I'm going to talk about that, you know, also, the more you get out of your routine, the harder it's going get, to get back in. So a modified routine, including sleep, that is as close as possible to what you would normally have would probably be best those seven, eight, nine hours, whatever you require to, to, um, to get, that'll help you during the time when you're awake. Um, you know, more, more sleep than you need will actually drain your energy and less sleep than you need is going to require more. So that's going to put a drain on your energy. 
So don't feel guilty. You know, if you normally don't get enough sleep, now's a good time to balance it out, right? Try to take uh, some time to, to get a full night's sleep, and that's going to help you quite a bit. Make planning and thinking a priority. So um, in my conversation with Jennifer Cunningham a little while ago, I was thinking, you know, demonstrated performance always, always improves your confidence. And every time you reach a goal, you're going to feel more accomplished. You're going to feel more confident. You're going to be more calm when you're under stress uh, or under these unusual circumstances, it can deteriorate your mental and physical health. So you want to consider alleviating stress uh, with making a plan. If you didn't have a plan for this situation, now's a good time to plan for the next time because there will be a next time. You know, if you didn't learn from 07, 08, and 09, and you need to do a better job financially planning, now you've got time uh, to do that. If you uh, haven't had a good time to take a break and plan your vacation or plan time to do different things, now's the time to make a plan. Because um, it's going to give you the feeling of productivity and confidence. Um, I, I always tell my clients, you need to be spending at least 30 minutes a week for thinking and planning, not just on your business, but on your personal and family items too. Right now, you've got time to look around and think about any home repairs or any home remodeling projects you may not have considered before. And listen, the more time you spend in your house, the more those things are going to stick out to you, right? So try to, try to stay productive by doing more planning and more thinking. And finally, make sure you get enough water. Um, you've probably been reminded to drink water more times than you can count your whole life. But hydration during this time is even more effective than before because you're going to be draining your energy. Uh, it'll help you keep stress down. It's going to make you feel better. Your body is a high percentage of water anyway. And a lot of health issues are caused because we don't take in enough clean water. It's going to wake you up in the morning more refreshed and less groggy. Uh, it's going to give you more energy. Uh, it's going to make you feel better. Hydration is a pillar of self-care. And being dehydrated can affect your health and your thinking in a variety of unpleasant ways. So make sure you drink plenty of water during this time. Finally, I just want to tell you, hey, I'm thinking about you and I'm praying for you every single day. I know some of you are in uh, situations where, you know, you're going from paycheck to paycheck and you're not sure about your paycheck, or maybe you're not sure about the future. Hey, everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to work out. This too shall pass. Um, take the lessons from it that you need to take. Stay confident, stay positive. We're here. We support you. We think about you. Drop us a line, info at clearvisiondevelopment.com. Uh, and go to our website. We've got plenty of resources for you uh, that are free and downloadable or watchable or, you know, you can listen to. We've got, you know, almost 100 episodes of this podcast that you can listen to that have a variety of experts that are uplifting, encouraging, and informative. So we are constantly thinking about you during this time. I just want you to know everything's going to be all right. That's our show today. Better Than Before is brought to you by University Subaru. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. You can always follow me on Twitter at Tony Richards 4 and our company at Clear Vision DEV. I'd also like to encourage you to go join my Facebook group. It is Tony Richards Speaker, Author, Coach. And we have a lot of uh, supportive people that are part of that community. We put a lot of content on there as well spend a lot of time on Facebook, get in a community that'll be supportive and, and helpful. And I think ours is one of the best and uh, informative and supportive, uh, supportive communities out there. It's Tony Richards, speaker, author, coach on Facebook. Well, hang in there on behalf of our associate producer, Whitney Coker and chief producer, William Foster. I'm your host, Tony Richards, reminding you that for sure, everything gets better when you get better. Thank you for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. 
For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.